It must be Thursday. Welcome to Learning Unwrapped, the podcast about your most important life skill, learning. My guest today believes that there is freedom in literacy. Born and raised in Zimbabwe, the daughter of two educators, she went on to become an educator as well. Now in Pennsylvania, she has been teaching for over a decade at the elementary and college levels and has worked as a counselor and social worker. To take her passion for literacy even further, she began writing children's books inspired by children from all walks of life, and her passion is to provide a balanced representation of diversity in literature. Her books, including My Brothers and I, Primrose Has Style, and Mandy's Awesome Vegetable Colors, just to name a few, are offered in English, French, and Spanish. Please welcome Mandy Maposa. Hi, Mandy. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me, Dr. Oh, Sula. thank you for being here. This is very exciting. I love looking at your books, and I want to talk more about that. What inspired you to first start writing children's books? Definitely, my inspiration really just came from my own personal experiences uh, as a mother of four children. I felt like I wanted to tell their story through my lens as well as theirs. And so it was really just giving a different perspective and input overall. So what do you mean by there is freedom in literacy? I just love that phrase. <laughs> well, I would say that as an educator, as a mother, as a daughter, as well as the daughter of educators, I came to the realization that education is absolutely very important. And so the idea that there's freedom in literacy, it simply means that education has the ability to unlock a lot of doors for pretty much everyone, regardless of what capacity that is. It gives you a different perspective and it gives you a different insight on how the world operates and how you fit into that world. So again, regardless of the different varied levels that a person could be educated, it's just really crucial that you have some level of education and that comes through in the form of literacy. I work as an educational consultant and I love when we see schools where there may be children who are living in poverty mm -hmm. and kinds of classrooms we design. They're called learner active technology infused classrooms. And it's all about putting kids in charge of their own learning and giving kids that responsibility to be able to go out and change the world. And you yes. literally see them like thriving and growing and realizing that education is their trajectory yes. out of any situation that isn't great into some awesome situations. So I'm a big fan of education in general, but I agree with you that literacy really opens up many, many doors. Now, did you start writing books after you became a mother? I did. I did. That's where a good part of the um, motivation and inspiration came from. My children, I have two in high school, one in middle school and one in elementary school. So even just the idea of writing books was something that I didn't really think as a child was a reality. I thought it was just this complicated process, which it can be. However, just knowing that you can absolutely do anything that you set your mind to, I started to just brainstorm, well, you know, this is something that I think I could contribute. I'm not looking to compete with anyone. I'm not looking to be well-known around the world. It's really just to add to what's already out there in terms of the literacy and content that's available to all students. So just myself, I had to learn on my own how to even go about 
getting that process completed. So it was very inspiring and an eye opener for myself as well. And how old were your children when you started writing children's books? I think six, so only 17, 11. My oldest was probably probably 11, 12. And I just started off asking them to give me their insights. So what are their thoughts? What, what books do they like? And why do they like those books? And then just taking pictures of them throughout the day and then sketching. My sketches are not that great, but <laughs> asking my son to assist me with that because he loves to draw. Um, he's very gifted in that area. And um, just taking it from there, really. Now, do your kids like your books? They, I think it's one of those things where, um, because they know me, <laughs> they don't really think much of it. They think it's cute that um, they have a picture on a book, but they don't uh, they more than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they they just take it for granted because I'm just mom to them. So. Right, right. No big deal. <laughs> You're just a big deal to the rest of the world. <laughs> Never your own children. Uh, so the cover of your book, My Brothers and I, features three boys and one girl. What's the story there? What's the message in that book? For me, it was just really another, yet again, example of what community looks like and what family looks like and what those dynamics, uh, you know, entail. And so given the fact that I have three boys and a girl, I figured, let me use that as an example. And just paying attention to how my children interact, um, I noticed that my daughter was always in competition with them. So I figured, well, why not use this opportunity to highlight certain challenges certain aspects of their daily life uh, and just incorporate that within the text. Um, So really, it's just a picture of the children just doing what they typically do, having fun, having arguments, disagreements, but really just summarizing that in the form of a visual illustration. And so you really wrote it in her voice then, your daughter's voice. Yes, I did. Your daughter with three brothers. Yes, I did. Now, did you (laughs) interview her for it? Did she? uh... I did. I did. Um, Not line by line. I would not say in the most formal way, but just really summarizing everything that I hear her say over and over, (laughs) wanting to compete with the boys, always feeling that she's somehow slighted because she's a girl and, and taking all of that and just putting that in writing. Yes, I did oh, get a lot of her input. <laughs> well, perhaps they'll appreciate you when they're older and they realize that there's a book about them. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Let's return to you being a child. What was it like being the child of two educators? Most of my family, I would say most of my family members were educators. And as a child, I thought that there was no creativity in education, right? Because I grew up with educators and I just thought that was one of the most laziest careers anyone could pursue (laughs) because what was pushed uh, was be a doctor, be a scientist, be a mathematician and all these other cool and awesome careers, not realizing it all stems from education. So again, taking for granted what you have because you've always had it. I definitely would say that my father, he was a headmaster um, at a high school. I mean, growing up, he was an elementary school teacher, and then he eventually moved on to be a high school headmaster. And it it was a very structured environment. My mom was um, a high school English teacher, and then she moved on to be a headmistress as well. So they were very structured, very to the point. I guess you could consider it strict, but if you grow up in that type of environment, it's your norm. And they did not push me to go in any direction in terms of my career pursuits. However, I think just seeing them do what they did um, and the contributions that they made within the educational sector, 
it inspired me even though I didn't realize it. And that's why I think it's very important to always be the model for your children in the community that you serve because sometimes there's something that's budding in you and you don't even realize it until later on in life. So I think just really realizing all the hard work that they put forth and following um, the structure that they provided, the discipline that they always instilled in us pretty much set the groundwork for all that I am today. Did they like the fact that you went into teaching? My mother was surprised. Like I said, I made it very clear that why out of all careers would you pursue education? Why not go out and be a scientist and really make a contribution? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so they never really thought that I would go into education. I actually went in the career track of, of going into business. And I felt like it was just way too cutthroat for me. It was not for me. And it didn't really line up with who I was and what I wanted to contribute in terms of just my community and just overall. I am big on service. And so that's why I uh, ended up being a career changer and I got into education. I started off in business. So it was definitely a surprise. But then she laughs now and she says, well, remember the days that you know, you asked me why I was in education. She spent over 40 years in education. And now I'm doing the very thing that I used to criticize her <laughs> for doing. Um, but then also she tells me that way with mothers and daughters, you know. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. And uh, even when I think back that there was a time when she was talk, uh, she was telling one of my elementary school teachers that whilst I was at home, I would line up the dining room chairs and I would pretend like I was teaching the chairs. So I would mimic some of those things that I would see in the classroom. And so again, sometimes you have to find yourself. You lose yourself to find yourself. Right, right. That's good advice. Allow yourself <laughs> to lose yourself to find yourself. So you were born and raised in Zimbabwe. You went to school in Zimbabwe. So what brought you from Zimbabwe to the United States? I would say that the easy answer to that was just the simple fact that I have an aunt. Um, I had an aunt during that time who uh, she was a social worker, I think. Um, and so she lived in Pennsylvania. So she said, well, why not come here? Because for us, what happens is when we finish high school, typically we just scatter all over the world. So which country are you going to? Where are you going to pursue your uh, education, your higher education? And so I just landed here simply because I knew somebody. That's really interesting because I think uh, culturally to say that, okay, so if you're going to school in Zimbabwe, when you finish your high school career, the thought is what country are you going to? Yes. It, it, it mean, opens it, up a big world. It does. It does. And, and that's very important. And I think every student, every child needs to have some exposure to other cultures and other experiences outside yes. of what you yes. grew up in, because it teaches you a lot more than you could ever learn from being in the classroom. The experience right. And I know in the United States, you know, you typically finish school and either, you know, figure out what college you're going to go to in the United yeah. States. And I know that in schools, we, you know, try to create programs to allow students to study abroad because it's yes. so important to be able it to is. travel. I mean, it's so important to be able to study in various countries and, as you said, be exposed to all different cultures. That's a wonderful thing. Now, are you teaching currently? I am. I'm actually teaching. I'm in elementary school this year, and I have not been working as an adjunct as of late, but I'm really looking forward to getting back into that area because I love teaching the different age groups. I've taught students in elementary, middle school, high school, and college, and I've also taught a senior citizens class, and I love that because even just during that process of 
teaching and or educating others, you're learning as well. So I'm definitely looking forward to doing that. And typically when I do travel, because I still have family in various countries uh, in Africa and also in Europe, I, I tend to visit schools. I always do that. It's interesting. Even when I'm on vacation, I, I'll go with my uh, friends who are teachers and I'll go visit their classrooms because I understand the importance of that diversity in terms of how we do things all over the world and not just locally. That's wonderful. Maybe uh, we'll have to connect so that you could visit some of the schools we've designed. I know. That would be awesome. That would be lovely. You'd like the Learner Active Technology Infused Classroom. That's so amazing. I absolutely love the incorporation of technology. It's definitely the way forward. Yes, yes. And so now, what was it like teaching during COVID? Um, I think because I did teach various college classes online, it was not a shocker for me. It was not too much of a shift. I really just shifted gears. I'm really big on adapting because things don't always go according to plan. You have to be flexible. I would say that for the students, it was somewhat of a challenge because again, just that human contact interaction is very different when you're online. There needs to be a lot of discipline in that area. And so it was just really getting the students acclimated was more challenging. But for myself, it was not an issue at all. I adapt to anything. <laughs> and I would imagine your your children were home. Yes. Yes. So, so you were trying to teach. Your children are home. Um, did any books come out of that? Any book ideas swirling around? I have some. Yes. I just need to uh, put the work. <laughs> and again, going back to that discipline and that structure, that's what made it possible because I know some teachers or some friends who would say that I had to work from home and you have one child and you were struggling. How is that possible? <laughs> so. Well, you know what they say, if you have one child, it's a lot of work, you know, by the time you have four children, it's like no big deal. <laughs> that is, that's absolutely true. That's correct. You're right. That's right. That's right. How many books do you have in total right now? In total, I have nine but technically I have four and, but because I do offer them in several languages, that's why it sounds like I have a lot more, but really I have, I would say five. Um, so Primrose has style, uh, my brothers and I, Mandy's awesome vegetable colors, Mandy's 26 ABCs and my numbers book. Now the numbers book, I did make it unavailable because I want to make some modifications. And what are the age levels for the readers for your books? The book titled uh, Maddie's Awesome Vegetable Colors. Uh, so you're really looking at anywhere from the age of three to nine, depending on a child's uh, academic level. Uh, because the other piece, too, is children are also very visual, right? So they don't have to necessarily read the text, yeah. but they yeah. can look at the pictures and they can start to recognize letters. And then my brothers and I and Primrose has style, I would say anywhere from the age of seven to 12, depending again on a student's academic level. Mm -hmm. Your books are available on Amazon. Yes, they are. And you also have a website that people should uh, go to? I do. It's www.mandysreads.com. So that's M-A-N-D-Y-S-R-E-A-D-S.com. Mandysreads.com. Awesome. So for all of our listeners, you know, you can follow Mandy, see what she's writing now, see what's coming up next. So that's my next question. What's next for you? I will say that because I'm an educator, this is the time when I do have a lot more flexibility. I absolutely hate to start a project and not see through. 
So I, I've been trying to hold off starting anything because I'm the kind of person that if I start a project, I won't stop until I'm done. And then that puts so much pressure on myself. And with everything else that I have to do, I figured, let me just table that until the summer when I have all the time in the world. And then I can just now start to get back to writing and making sure that the, um, the content that I put out is appropriate and uh, to the quality that I want it to be and not just output, output, output. And when you're writing a book, do you start by simply, you know, scratching out an outline or notes or do you start writing a story? I am really traditional, old fashioned, if you would like to call it that way. I always have to have a pen and paper with me, um, just writing out random thoughts and ideas. I know some people start off with maybe a title. I don't necessarily need the title. I want to know okay, so what's the storyline and what's my conclusion? And then I can summarize that and then come back to the title. Usually the title is the last thing that I do. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I, when I wrote my book, my first book was about the Learner Active Technology Infused Classroom. Okay. So I, my working title was very boring. It was Designing Learner Active Technology Infused Classrooms. <laughs> not, not a real hook there. But uh, the publisher then sent it out to teachers and administrators and asked them to read it. Okay. and give their opinions. And one of the questions that they asked was, what title would you give to this book? Because they felt that my title was just not gonna cut it. And okay. one of the teachers wrote back, students taking charge. And it is the perfect name <laughs> for the book and my work, because it's all about putting students in charge of their own learning. So that's how that got- uh, That's great. I think it's very important to have just the collaboration where you do mm -hmm. um, share your work with other people, ask for their input. And I know a lot of times authors are very hesitant with that. They feel like you're gonna steal my content, number one. Number two, I don't want you to dilute my content, but I think that there is room for input and that could either improve what you've already done, give you some insight, and um, just like you said, it made um, the title, it was the title that you were looking for in essence. So that's right. great. It was perfect. Because for me as a writer, I really do have to have that title. You know, yes. once, I, once I get my title down, then I can just start writing and it flows, but I need to have that uh, title. Yeah. So wow. you, you would rather write the story and then go yes. back and say, what's yes. the title? Yes, the, the yeah. title confines me, it puts me in this bubble into this, this very limited space where I'm unable to be creative, I feel like, because then I'm constantly referring back to the title and thinking about the title. And I don't want that restriction. I wonder if that's a difference. Like I write nonfiction books about education. Okay. okay. So my books are all about, you know, executive function as, yes. the, as the key to student achievement or how to teach a standards-based curriculum, okay. student charge, et cetera. So the title is rather grounding because the, the title keeps me focused on the True. message of the book. Whereas if you're writing fiction, yes. and I would imagine you want to let yourself continue to develop the characters throughout, et cetera. Yes. It makes sense that you may not want to arrive at a title until later. No, you're absolutely right. Different, uh, different styles, different genres. That makes a huge difference. That's so really to all those students out there who are writing books, you know, you can decide title first, not to first. Uh, and it's a just good go point. with it. Just, just have go fun. with it. It's a good point. It's a good point. All right. So let's unwrap the learning. What advice then would you give to budding authors of children's books? 
I would definitely say to um, first and foremost, always make sure that you're grounded. You know who you are. You know what your goal is, what your mission and objective is. If you have clarity in that, regardless of everything that comes up in life, you'll always revert back to that thing. Um, so that's the first thing. And then the second part is have fun, right? What's the point of doing something that doesn't bring you joy? So have fun with the process. Yes, there's a part where you have to be serious and uh, there has to be some level of standard um, and you have to be mindful of your audience, but have fun, be authentic to your target audience and allow yourself to make mistakes and be willing to receive constructive criticism. That's how you grow. Great advice, great advice. So it's mandysreads.com. Mandysreads.com. You can learn more about Mandy there. And it was such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much, Mandy, for coming and sharing some of your insights and your story. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, that's a wrap. I'm glad you could join me. I hope you'll subscribe, like, and share this podcast and help me spread the word about the power of learning. Till next time.